Hey guys, welcome to yet another exciting episode of the Ledger Show, a podcast where we meet interesting people with their interesting ideas and see what are their insights into the journey that they have. So today we have Mohit Sharma with us from IIT Dilliwala to Rickshawala, a journey that has been amazing throughout their years. So welcome Mohit to the Ledger Show. Thanks, Ashish. Thanks for the kind invite. Really love to be uh, here with you guys. It's amazing to have you uh, today here, Mohit. And Mohit, you know, uh, it would do a great justice to our audience if you could just introduce yourself that, you know, what you are, what your venture has been about. Sure. So, Vishesh, um, I hail from Delhi. I'm a Delhiite, uh, born and brought up here, and then did my graduation from IIT Delhi, passed out in 2012. And post that, I joined Hero Group, uh, having my keen interest into robotics programming. I, I thought that was the best place to be, and it turned out to be actually. Post that, I after two years, I started my first startup with the name of Changit Motors, where we built India's first indigenous electric rickshaw. We started with our own capital and eventually made it one of the largest enterprise in e-rickshaw category in the country. And uh, there I got the idea of starting OE Rickshaw, where we sort of targeted not just to manufacture and sell e-rickshaws, but to build an EV uh, tech-based platform in which a driver partner sort of can get onboarded and can get access to a huge plethora of demand from like daily commuters as well as delivery players. Uh, people can sort of transport uh, goods and parcels through our e-rickshaws and then also offering driver partners access to battery swap, uh, battery as a service uh, uh, thing, right? Where they can swap the battery and they're good to go for another like 50 kilometers. And today we are doing it means we are like uh, trending at uh, uh, close to uh, 3 million transactions on a monthly basis mm-hmm. and uh, growing like 20% month on month. And I think we have close to 4,000 plus active vehicles on our platform. I think uh, going on really well. So that sounds awesome. So one thing Mohit, that you know that uh, has really stricken me that when we talk about Oireksha as a service, mm-hmm. so uh, Uber already has you know a very separate section where, where you can bring you know Oireksha's. Mm-hmm. Now how how you know we differentiate that you know we uh, with Oireksha we have picked a very niche segment that you know this is something that we are gonna focus on, irrespective mm-hmm. of you know the other things that other players have been focusing on. So what is your approach and, and you know how do you think that this is very different from what other players are doing? Okay, so um, just to share just one data point, right, means uh, we have close to over a million downloads already and less than 5% of our customers have the Uber app on their phone, right? And that's a key differentiator, means uh, our customers are like bottom 80 or bottom 90 of India who don't have a two-wheeler or the four-wheeler with them and cannot afford uh, Uber and Ola cab services. Having said that, Talking about uh, Uber having a play into the e-rickshaw, so they are largely offering in customers private mobility, means where you have to sort of book the e-rickshaw entirely. And on the other hand, e-rickshaw gives access to shared services where they don't have to pay for the full e-rickshaw, right? Instead, they can pay for just one seat. And thus, we are like 60-70% cheaper onto e-rickshaw itself as compared, as compared to uh, Uber service. So that's the core differentiator. And we have built this complete technology stack in a shared way where average ticket size of having a ride on our platform is rupees 20 as against rupees 50, 60, sometimes 100 on the Uber's platform. Wow, that sounds awesome. So, uh, you know, why don't you give us some more insight around, you know, Jenkin Motors, the first startup that you started? 
Yeah. So um, we started the company back in 2015 uh, with uh, my own personal investment of like 40, 50 lakh uh, rupee. And uh, you know, uh, at that time, e-rickshaw was not that famous product in the country, right? Mm-hmm. So when we decided to build one, the obvious uh, thing that came to people's mind was that you were sort of importing it from China. So we are not uh, doing any of that sort of activity. Instead, we are building the complete prototype here in-house, along with a few folks that I had at that time. And in just three months' time, we built our product and did the uh, GTM, that is like Guru Market, mm-hmm. launched in the Jaipur Market uh, back in January 15 itself. So uh, prototype was time it was getting built. And at the same time, we started the sales process also. And that was, you know, has been our core philosophy that building the product as per the market's need. And vis-a-vis, like we developed the uh, product and uh, did early trials with the production. Uh, mm-hmm. We already had a setting demands of few hundreds of vehicles. And that's how we sort of uh, collected the feedback, took the orders also. We had delivery time of close to three to six months, even during our inception days. But it all played out well. Ultimately, in the uh, you know by June 2015, we had a stable production line. We had our own product, which was like getting produced at the rate of like thousand odd vehicles on a monthly basis. We had a sitting demand, and we uh, had a very less turnaround time in terms of building and enhancing the product, and as well as meeting the production. So it was all half a early because we didn't have any early experience of you know uh, running a startup. But eventually turned out to be really well, where all the like distribution partners, all the customers have sort of supported us all the way. And we had booking time of like uh, delivery time, I would say, booking versus delivery time of like um, three to six months. So our customer had to wait for like three odd months to get our vehicle at the minimum. But yes, it was very interesting. And in, eventually we had a plant and we had like, close to 10,000 odd customers by the end of first 15 months. And then business was growing like anything. And thus, um, at that time, I decided to sort of, when we uh, sort of found the opportunity on the market side, means once driver partner buys the product, what problem he faces and what use case can be done on the e-rickshaw, I decided to sort of uh, exit the manufacturing, sell the company, make some money, and then eventually invest that money into the next venture and that's how e-rickshaw came into being so jangit has sort of taught me about e-rickshaw as a category and that has ultimately led to the foundation of like e-rickshaw so uh, you know while talking about this one of the key thing that you know i was uh, latching on to was what you said about building according to you know what market needs because i see that you know personally a lot of entrepreneurs do struggle you know with this thing that they build something, then they realize that the market do not need it entirely. Or they go to the market in the very early stage and even the market does not know that, you know, whether they want it or not. So this is a dilemma that, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs face. How do you think that, you know, that one can tackle around this? Mm, I think staying open to the feedback and taking the customer's feedback uh, very, very positively in the first place and then aggregating all the feedback that you receive and coming out with a solution, right, is the key part because um, customer doesn't know what the solution is, but customer definitely know what the problem is, right? And it is your job as an entrepreneur to convert that problem input into a rightful solution, which gets sort of accepted in the market. So I would say in the first phase, you have to sort of accept the 
problem slash feedback of the customers and then do some experiments, continuously do experiments and iterate your solution until it fits the market, right? And that's, I think, uh, the, the the key job of any entrepreneur is the people who are good at, you know, uh, understanding the problem and figuring out solution iteratively. Nobody knows the solution in the first place. And that's where we have to sort of actually cut short the time and make sure that with many iteration slash um, experiments, we should try to reach out the solution. I think that's a key part. And that's the fundamental job of every entrepreneur. So anyone who is good at this thing, I think can fundamentally form a very large company. Mm-hmm. So uh, would you like to share an instance of a customer feedback that, you know, that you really, that uh, you can say that, you know, that acted as a pivot or a very central core to the company? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so when we built our first uh, fleet of electric rickshaw back in 2015, so we had about like 20 odd production trial unit, which we ultimately uh, sold to the market. Mm-hmm. We almost about like 60 days later, got a feedback that our chassis of the e-rickshaw got broken. Mm-hmm. And that was a very fundamental part of an e-rickshaw. That's the foundation of e-rickshaw. Mm-hmm. That got broken, right? And it was a step, it was an instance we felt that the company will Means that sort of feedback goes in the market is very detrimental to the company, right? Mm-hmm. And I tell you how we sort of solved that problem. The moment we heard this news, right, we called all our distributors, all our end customers at one place that was in Jaipur, and that is the like the largest distribution that we had over there, right? Mm-hmm. And we clearly said, "Hey, product type ka problem hai, right? Mm-hmm. How do you think a problem You know, so instead of those guys complaining about the product they became part of the solution, right? At that very moment, right? And they said, okay, sir, baki nine vehicles ke andar, which are there in the market, you had this, uh, you know, there, there's some, we call it bracket. So there is one bracket, which is, which is going into every vehicle. But in this one product, that bracket is missing, right? And it was their analysis. We knew the solution because it was a production problem, not the product problem, right? But having that feedback from the customer and giving the next set of chassis slash all the assembly that was required into building another issue for free to that customer, ultimately like giving a new rickshaw altogether, right? So that was a very small cost to us as a company, right? But the kind of feedback or the kind of sentiment sort of that generated in the market was humongous. Means company customer problem very awkward for automobile company, right? It's very awkward. I Means generally we say there is literally any uh, no transparency between the customer and the company, right? And we are, customers are largely at the play of the local dealer partners. But we were the first company who went in the market, took the feedback, solved the problem under the warranty policy that we had, and we were the first company to also offer the five-year warranty on our product. And that was on the back of this incident only. Okay? And at the same time, we have to hear them out, right? We have to make them part of the problem. So in the early stage, I think it is very important because once you become a large company, it is very hard for you to collect the feedback of all the customers and sort of improvise at that point. Instead, we have to start early. And once we listen to those feedback early, we can correct the product immediately and we can take the remedial solution. And rest is history, right? After six months time, we had like 45% market share of that Jaipu market. And that was largely on the back of like the kind of services that we extended to our customers.
be it this incident and be it you know any after sales service support that our customer required and we kept the market we kept the feedback very very close to our heart and thus evolved our product ultimately becoming a product market fit where we exactly build what customer requires right so this is one incident out of many so happy to sort of share uh, others also yeah, that's, that's an interesting instance and you know one of the rare occasions where we see that you know companies stepping up for their consumers yeah. So do you, do you think Mohit, that, you know, uh, when you were at Hero Motor Corp, this really instilled some kind of, you know, these kind of values in you? Absolutely. Means I tell you, like the five values I learned at Hero Motor Corp mm-hmm. and uh, that very exactly sort of resonate in each of the customer of Hero also. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we have evolved set of values at OA, but five values that I learned at Hero was like, you know, we have to be, first of all, humble mm-hmm. in all our due process. Hero being the market leader of Tubin in the country and the world, the largest producer. The mm-hmm. first value it had was like being humble to your customers, to your colleagues, to your vendors, to everyone, right? The second is the integrity. Once you write a spec on the board, right? This is what your product is, right? You have to have that integrity that you exactly deliver that, right? You don't play around with the spec or the, you know, uh, doing some market gimmick, which communicates the technology or the product badly or differently, right? Mm-hmm. The third was like, you know, respecting every everyone, right? So I think it, it looks cliche, it looks old school, but you know, this is what Hero uh, had in them sort of day in day out, right? So third mm-hmm. was the respect for so your customers, for your colleagues, and also for everyone in your ecosystem, right? The fourth was the excellence, right? Whatever you do, do it excellently. So as you know, means Hero was not there in the 150cc or 220cc segment. Mm-hmm. And they were hardcore focused on like 100, 125cc segment, right? Mm-hmm. And that was a part of the process at Hero. Means they knew that they can build a high quality, higher CC product also, but their focus and having the excellence into that uh, product that they were in, that was superb, right? And thus, not even Honda, not even Bajaj were able to sell as many bikes as you know Hero used to sell. Even after like separation of Hero from Honda, and that happened sometime in 2011, and I joined Hero in 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, so upholding these values were of utmost importance because nobody trusted Hero at that time. Kia technology nahi bana payenge, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody was of the view that Honda had the technology, Honda gone, now Hero won't survive. But that's exactly not the case, right? Today, even today, Hero is the largest seller in the country. Yeah, even you know uh, when that uh, particular demerger happened, this was the kind of apprehension that you know even we in the family had. So uh-huh. before that, you know, we had a Hero bike, and the next day that we were purchasing. We were always spectacle you that, you know, whether we should go for Hero or now we can look for Bajaj. It was a, you know, very good uh, skepticism in the market. Yeah, yeah. But I think... And we all felt that. Really well. Because similar to Maruti Suzuki, Hero Honda was something, you know, that was really close to our hearts. Yeah. Now, when something like that happens, it really shakes up the market. So how do you think that, you know, these uh, values, because Honda also became independent. But what do you think that, you know, has been the major core of, or, you know, or you can say the differentiator between both of these companies? Because till the time the demerger didn't happen, they both shared the same values and, you know, the same kind of platform and technology. Yeah. So I would say Honda is known for technology. Hero is known for trust, right? Mm-hmm. And trust is built when you have the right set of principles, values, and you uphold them regularly, Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having a set of values put up on the board doesn't differentiate any company, right? Till the, till the time you sort of uphold and regularly sort of revisit those values in every of the action that you have, right? 
Mm-hmm. So I think Hero is known for trust. Honda is non- known for like technology that they have. And mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest differentiator. And even today, you know, people buy Hero's product because they have trust on the company, right? Mm-hmm. And thus, all the models that were there before, Hero sells even today, and uh, you know, they have the largest market share, and they continue to sort of grow, barring this uh, uh, small-time base that come along. But Hero has the Hero is a company which has completely been built on the trust, and they continue to do so. Sounds amazing. So, uh, uh, Mohit, would you like to you know talk about uh, your contribution to the EV thirty or thirty campaign? Because I see that you know when we talk about oil rickshaw, a lot of thing revolves around EVs. So, mm-hmm. what is you know the particular contribution that you are looking uh, you know with oil rickshaw on this? Mm, contribution hasn't been get a question. Uh, contribution hasn't to the particular EV mechanisms, the EV ecosystem that is being set up, you know, all across the country now. Mm-hmm. A lot of big players have already started with Ola is looking at you know the two wheeler segment, mm-hmm. the particular Tata, Tesla. These are looking at the four wheeler segment. The three wheeler segment. I'm pretty sure that you know Ola is particularly looking at. So how do you think that you know what has been your core contribution to this setup? Mm, just to uh, throw some numbers means worldwide the EV penetration is lying close to nine percent. Means every sort of nine out of hundred vehicles are sold like EVs today, right? Mm-hmm. But in India that is two percent. And if you double click on this two percent number, and if you look at the penetration that we have in two wheeler, three wheeler versus four wheeler, so two wheeler has close to one to two percent even today. Mm-hmm. Electric three wheeler is close to thirty five percent today. Okay. And four-wheeler is like 0.1% or something, right? So electrification in India is happening on the back of electric three-wheeler, that is for sure. And today mm-hmm. we have close to 1.5 to 2 million e-rickshaws already on road, right? Mm-hmm. And that's close to like uh, 30-40% of the total population of the three-wheeler in the country. So, and you know, it is largely happening on the back of kind of uh, capex a driver partner needs to do to buy an e-rickshaw. That is like 30-40% in comparison to a standard auto rickshaw mm-hmm. and then the kind of running cost that this vehicle has which is le- less than like uh, less by 60-70% as compared to auto rickshaw right so India is riding that electrification wave on the back of uh, electric rickshaw now we are seeing the penetration of two-wheeler also increasing but it is yet to sort of hit that mark and I think 2022-23 will be the inflection point where two-wheeler sales will be more than electric uh, uh, three-wheelers but now even after that happening two-wheeler is a private mobility product right so mm-hmm. we buy it to have the um, a very personal need fulfilled through the two-wheelers as against e-rickshaw it's a commercial product right and on e-rickshaw, the daily commute slash delivery largely happens, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that being a commercial uh, sort of product, you know, the, the, the economics come at the core, right? And as I said, the kind of economics that e-rickshaw have will continue to drive the market towards itself because that is the cost benefit that we ultimately pass on to the customers, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what we see already. A typical auto rickshaw ride costs about like 60, 70 rupees, but mm-hmm. a typical e-rickshaw ride costs just like 15, 20 rupees, right? Mm-hmm. So I think uh, that infrastructure, that layer of support is already there for electric three-wheeler in the, uh, three-wheeler in the country. And thus this market will continue to grow. The electric three-wheeler market will continue to grow by 20% CAGR for the next five to 10 years. Okay. Yeah. 
And uh, so, you know, when we talk about this uh, thing that we also, you know, talk very largely in commercial scale, that, you know, uh, your returns depend on the kind of investment that you are making, right? Specifically, you know, when it comes to small and medium businesses, and uh, when we talk about e-rickshaws or when you talk about auto rickshaws that run on, you know, the traditional uh, fuels, I would, you know, just put them in the same category of a small and medium business for the sake of this conversation. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about them, we, we say that, you know, a person is investing about 100 rupees on, you know, on getting an auto rickshaw and then running it. Similarly, mm-hmm. when it comes to e-rickshaw, they are spending a close to, you know, 30 to 35 rupees, the, yeah. the 30% cost of it. So is there any startling difference that we see in the kind of earning that they make out of it? So suppose there is an e-rickshaw driver, there's an auto rickshaw driver, which runs on traditional fuels. What is the kind of difference in the earnings that they do? Okay, so there are two parts to the earning, right? The first is the revenue that they make in a day. The second is a net take home after deduction of the cost, right? Uh, so typical e-rickshaw uh, pre-OA without OA rickshaw means they make about like 750 to 800 rupees top line in a day, right? Okay. And they have a cost of like 250 to 300 rupees, including everything, EMIs, uh, fuel cost, parking cost, everything. As against auto rickshaw, which makes about 1,000, 1,200 rupees uh, on daily basis, mm-hmm. but have a cost to meet of close to six to 700 rupees per day, right? And if you do the math, the revenue minus cost, they stand almost the same. So e-rickshaw guy typically takes about like four to 500 rupees on daily basis uh, net, like take home. And the same is the case with the auto rickshaw. There could be 10, 20% difference, but it is largely the same. Okay, so at the outset of the discussion, can we say that you know both of them are earning in the same capacity, while the investment on one side is larger than the other? Uh, so I think the use cases are different, uh, Vishesh means, uh, so we have an auto rickshaw, three-seater, which largely runs on the private mobility, carries about like 15-20 passengers in a day. And each paying about like 50, 60 rupees on an average, right? Huh? But if you talk about e-rickshaw, uh, there we have close to 50 odd customers who sit on e-rickshaw on daily basis with average of like payment of 15 rupees per passenger. Hmm. And net net the driver part I'm making about like 750 rupees on daily basis, right? Hmm. So I think the kind of occupancy or the kind of like the TG, the target market that each hmm. of the product is catering to is different. Uh, somebody who is willing to spend only 20 rupees won't go on uh, auto rickshaw. And mm-hmm. that's a differentiator. And thus, uh, e-rickshaw and auto rickshaw cater to a very different market. Okay. So is e-rickshaw, you know, uh, trying to move to that segment as well? Uh, so we or see, do we uh, have any plans to, you know, move in that direction? No. So I would say that we want to continue to, uh, you know, focus on e-rickshaw. E-rickshaw is a fairly large market. It's a multi-billion dollar market. Means if we do the market sizing, e-rickshaw alone is a you know, 15, 20 billion dollar industry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, tapping into uh, this market and solving for the use cases, which can happen only on the e-rickshaw. Mm-hmm. I think we can build a fairly large company. So, but yes, tomorrow, uh, if let's say there is electrification of auto rickshaw as well, Mm-hmm. Uh, we might think of aggregating that, but as of now, for the next two to three years, we don't see that happening, and thus we'll continue to focus on the e-rickshaw segment. Okay, because I see that you know e-rickshaw and risk uh, is also reducing tier two and tier three cities, where the impact of auto rickshaw on traditional fuel is you know really less. Because I even you know went to uh, my village and I saw that you know e-rickshaws were running even there. 
So how do you, you know, you propose that uh, this is a drastic change when it comes to the market? That uh, the auto rickshaw, which has been, you know, uh, running very traditionally for more than, you know, uh, from more than the time that I remember that I exist, mm-hmm. to e-rickshaw, which have just, you know, evolved within these last five to six years. Yeah. So, uh, pardon, what, what's the core question? Uh, so the core question is what drives this kind of acceptance when we talk about e-rickshaw in tier two and three markets? Understood. So I think, as you rightly mentioned, uh, the auto rickshaw is here for the last uh, 30, 35 years, right? Mm-hmm. But e-rickshaw is here for the last uh, seven, eight years, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, this product relatively new, I think, has seen huge adoption in the central part of the country. Mm-hmm. South India is seeing the penetration of e-rickshaws today, right? And mm-hmm. that is largely the natural gestation time of every new product in the market in any part of the sort of country. But mm-hmm. having said that, what are the core reasons of, you know, people switching to e-rickshaw and not buying a pedal rickshaw, the humble pedal rickshaw and also the auto rickshaw, right? Mm-hmm. I think largely has to do with the initial cost, right? The initial cost of buying an e-rickshaw is like, again, 30-40% of an auto rickshaw. A typical auto rickshaw costs about 3 to 4 lakh rupees. Mm-hmm. As against an e-rickshaw, which causes 90,000 rupees, 1 lakh rupees after the government subsidies, right? So mm-hmm. I think it is largely to do with that, number one. The second is the operation cost, right? As I said, means uh, for driving an e-rickshaw for one day cost about 300 rupees, but cost of driving an auto rickshaw for one full day is close to 600 to 700 rupees, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what is making the difference. And that's what, you know, at the end of the day, every driver, every operator of e-rickshaw is also an investor, right? He has invested to the asset in the lieu of making some money, right? And e-rickshaw ROC, the return on capital uh, expenditure is Mm -hmm. much more than the auto rickshaw. They don't do this math, but ultimately it is about that. E-rickshaw is far better than the auto rickshaw. And thus we are seeing increased adoption of TA in the tier two, tier three markets as well, because business principle remains the same even there, right? Mm -hmm. And close to 80% of the e-rickshaw sold today are in this market, like tier two, tier three market only. Okay, so uh, Mohit, you know, when we talk about this market, there are small fragments that, you know, that we see that there are aggregators in different kind of, you know, colonies, areas, or, you know, uh, the particular geographies that we can see. Now, when we talk about Oeriksha, does it directly deal with, you know, drivers or also with aggregators as well? So suppose that, you know, I'm a person living in uh, Northeast Delhi, I say that, you know, I'm purchasing about 50 to 60 Oeriksha's and then giving them to drivers so that, you know, they can move around and do uh, their business. Yeah. On top of that, I think it's some kind of commission or, you know, some kind of uh, rental. So how do you, you know, envision this market that uh, will this continue to happen or the, will the aggregators after a point will dissolve and the market will become more democratized? I think it has already happened to an extent. So initially, uh, the 80% of the market were aggregators, but now mm-hmm. it is only 20%. So majority of the e-rickshaws are sold directly to the end customer. Thanks mm-hmm. to government subsidies, thanks to like easy financing scheme that is available in the market. And thus, you know, uh, the increased adoption towards uh, driver like is happening because of this only. And aggregator has a very uh, little role to play once a driver mm-hmm. partner buys the e-rickshaw on his own, right? Why would he go to an aggregator if he can get his own vehicle? And there he can make higher margins also, right? And why to sort of give that certain layer or certain percentage of the margin to an aggregator? And thus, like, like majority of the ownership is towards the driver partner only. Oh, this is interesting. So, uh, Mohit, you know, uh, 
why won't you, you know uh, shouldn't you go ahead and tell us something about akash i saw that you know you both started this venture up together and it's always amazing to to you know, to know the story of co-founders when they were starting out that how did you guys meet what were the propositions that you guys had for each other and how did it really start it mm, so shish i think this will this question will take us back to uh, 2002 almost mm-hmm. 20 years back we were in class 8 and uh, akash joined the same school where i was studying and we became friends like immediately means in a couple of months we we were like close friends at that time uh so i think our friendship started there which ultimately okay. evolved out to be a constant partnership thereupon we have always been in touch even post our school he joined mnit alabad i joined iit delhi but we were always in touch and uh, we were always sort of thinking around ki aap kabhi business shuru karenge and uh, these are the ideas that we have and uh, one day i think we were sitting at jangit and we were discussing about the possibilities of the e-rickshaws and uh, there we sort of decided ki wo e-rickshaw you know i would say wo e-rickshaw the naam nahi aaya tha but the problem samne aaya tha ki these are the set of problems i think we can solve in a, a separate entity and uh, there i think the idea of orisha came into place and ultimately evolved to become a company and i think we have been friends ever since and we will always be um, so i think uh, that friendship has turned into a partnership at orisha and do you see any change in the friendship that was there because i see a lot of uh, co-founders you know they struggle between you know managing this professional side and personal side how do you you know see this i think these are like um i would say the behavioral understanding that we should be having early in our journey right mm-hmm. and once we know that how a person is going to react in different situation right and mm-hmm. once we are okay with that once we find that to be okay with respect to the journey that we see for ourselves i think that is the point that we get married to each other right Mm-hmm. and that's marriage happens at the idea level that happens at the way we operate that comes with the acceptance uh with you know uh, the the way we are built internally and i think uh, that ultimately you know once you have all those episodes uh, uh, among you right between uh, any of the two co-founders already before you go on to something big i think that plays a very critical role and i think that had happened during our college days when we used to work on on common projects means uh, we were in different colleges but we used to participate in various tech fest so mm-hmm. i think we had those differences early but ultimately we always believed that together i think we can create much larger um, i would think than by you know focusing on the differences that we have and i think uh, we have accepted it pretty well and thus today means we are professional now we are like 30 32 years of age and uh, you know we we don't we don't find those troubles now yeah that that's an interesting journey so um uh, you know whenever we talk about uh, these 2 am conversations so i term them as 2 am conversation where you are just sitting with a friend you know drawing random ideas on either a paper or you know your tablet or anything and you are just talking about things so would you like to give us you know some kind of insight or some kind of thing that you know that you guys discussed over before rickshaws or e-rickshaws came into the picture like you know we all have a lot of plethora of ideas when we say that you know we want to start up but why a certain thing really kicks in okay so um i would you know value the timing of idea here means as as i said means we are friends from class 8 we have been to colleges at the same time 
um and uh, also we were working in gurgaon only post our college also and i think during this journey we shared a lot of ideas with each other right and that's an endless list of uh, ideas right but every idea that comes in that you know 2am discussion we had plenty of them by the way mm-hmm. uh, so i think many ideas come during uh, that meeting right uh mm-hmm. but you know once you brainstorm once you see it from all the facets and also uh, you know once you are inherently sort of confident yaar ye kaam kar sakta hai and mm-hmm. at the same time there is a timing in the market means today if let's say agash or mai flipkart dobara banane ka baat kare so that will be very bogus idea right mm-hmm. because looking at the timing in here already that that market is captured right but mm-hmm. if let's say we come up with some crypto or web3 solution together right that mm-hmm. see the day of the light right so i think all the idea that we used to discuss had inherent value had it been in a different country different world but talking about india and you know um, building that solution building solving for some problem market backwards instead of you know market forward uh, i think is key and that's what sort of determines the timing of an idea so if we see like market backward today what is not there in the world or what is the next big problem that exists and if let's say our idea coincides with that that's where that idea strikes and that is the eureka moment that you have so mohit uh, what would you say that you know that the ingredients to start a business are because to start a business some things are needed which you know a lot of people have a lot of people don't but what in your perspective you know are those core things that you know if you have these four ingredients five ingredients you can go on and start a business apart from the idea and the timing thing i think once you have the idea and it meets the uh, timing of the market right mm-hmm. the next thing that you need is obviously the capital right mm-hmm. because everything is a you know cost while you build like anything right mm-hmm. and the next thing means uh, i would value this more than the capital though is that the constant perseverance with the idea that you have in your mind because when you take the idea to the market let's say a product nahi banate ho but you take the idea to the market and discuss with people there's a lot of feedback a lot of perspective uh, you know being shared with you and you always be in a jumbled position that how to sort of move forward but that perseverance of you know having an idea then absorbing the feedback then coming up with certain iteration coming like reaching the uh, if you want to reach to b point there are b1 b2 b3 b4 right and with every iteration every input that evolves right it go to b n plus 1 right and that's where i think you require a lot of perseverance and then ultimately when you build a company out of it right so at one time the problem is like 0 to 1 where you have to your idea gets converted into some sort of beta product right and then it gains some traction and basis that traction once you solve for all the problems of the initial set of customers you actually go on to like 1 to 100 wala journey right but mm-hmm. during this entire process of like having the idea making some beta version reaching out to some set of people uh you know seeing the traction basis that traction deciding the next step reaching that bn plus 1 constantly and once you sort of reach that one stage taking the idea to 1 to 10 1 to 100 i think the only thing that should be there in the entrepreneur is the pure play perseverance backed by a lot of diligence and the hard work right because wahan pe aapko degree kaam nahi aata hai wahan pe aapko 
um i would say aapka ego you have certain biases in you wo sab kaam nahi aata right mm-hmm. all that you require is ki ek stage pe idea tha now it is seeing the light of the day and also you know you, 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 the customers are using your product and they are happy about certain things sad about certain things some problem solved some not solved constantly focusing on increasing that experience improving that experience of the customer continuously reaching to that product market fit level at what nth level of bn um that would be that would become a scalable product i think it's a very arduous journey right mm-hmm. so if we have that right amount of focus with right amount of perseverance diligence and lot of hard work that goes into it and i would sort of rate hard work as another key quality into the entrepreneurs while building anything um so i think it become it, it's part of the game and you have to drive things in you know sometimes things change externally also nobody predicted covid would come right but us idea ka jaise uh, if i talk about april 20 right we had the idea of the ride it was an evolved idea we were doing close to 20 30 rides per day right and then suddenly covid happened right nobody sort of ever thought ki something of this would come this sort would come right but it was there with us तो क्या करोगे आइडिया का ऑब्वियसली यू हैव टू इवॉल्व राइट ऑब्वियसली हैव टू सॉर्ट ऑफ अंडरस्टैंड द करंट सिचुएशन एंड यू नो फिगर आउट द नेक्स्ट स्टेप एंड दस वी सॉर्ट ऑफ फ्लोटेड डिलीवरी एंड एनर्जी सर्विसेज वी ऑलवेज हैड द आइडिया कि डिलीवरी एनर्जी हो सकता है बट टाइमिंग को हमने मतलब वी डेंट टेक सो सीरियसली वी सेड कि लेटर ऑन करेंगे राइट बट द वे things change externally the way environment change around we preponed our plans right mm-hmm. and we launched the delivery energy back in 2020 itself right and that's where i mean i would say that's an evolution of any company right and today like close to 50 60% of our revenue comes from delivery energy actually right mm-hmm. so i think the constant thing uh, uh, during all this process uh, during all the like the last 2 3 years was a constant perseverance of you know solving for the driver's problem and that's where we sort of started the oerikshaya actually so do you think that you know while solving a particular problem the problem is more important or the target market for which you are solving the problem is more crucial mm, i think it's more of a question of what you want to build right Mm-hmm. If let's say hunger is a problem, right? Means not everyone is getting a proper diet in a day, right? There is a nutrition deficit that exists in the market. But if you want to solve for that, you would become an NGO, right? Mm-hmm. Because you know that customer who is not able to buy the product won't pay for the food, right? Mm-hmm. But if let's say you want to uh, solve for some problem, if I talk about like uh, cred as a product, right? Mm-hmm. Their your customer has money, right? But they have the problem, they have the paying capacity, but they are not able to do certain actions in their life, and that is like they are not able to pay the credit card bills, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where you can actually form a profitable company, right? So I think problem and market when they marry together, mm-hmm. right? that decide ultimately what will be formed right so if you are solving for some problem where revenue won't come so there you would require donations and you know that's altogether a different that that is also an organization by the way right mm-hmm. and you are also like large like they're huge right means they run mm-hmm. fund because typically the way government works right they want to sort of serve the needy with the tax money that they have but if you want to solve a problem which can make money right that's where a you know private limited company or like a startup or a large company gets built right mm-hmm. so i think problem 
when when marries with the scale the scale of the problem and mm-hmm. the kind of persona that your customer has ultimately decides that what it's going to be mm-hmm. so uh, you know i see that you fall on a very soft spot that you know uh, there are two kind of entrepreneurs that you know that are distinguished one are the very early founders who you know who are either in their college they are starting out at that time or you know they are just uh, passing out and then just starting out the other category are the founders who you can say they are veterans or they have that kind of industry experience where they can say that you know we are utilizing all of this our connections our capital all of this together to bring something together and then there lies the soft spot where you know uh, i can see that you are standing because you were out of the college you spent some years in the industry you know a particular brief time you did not spend you know a lot of time so that you can say that you you are a veteran in that particular zone you did not spend that little that you can say that you know you did not went to the corporate so how do you position yourself among this mm, i think i would be uh, relating myself <laughs> to to the first uh, thing that you mentioned right immediately yeah. starting post our college Mm-hmm. uh and i think hero was a transient company where a few of the questions that i wanted to sort of get answer of before i start up mm-hmm. was like how organization works right means we had a lot of ideas ki uh, many things could be done in this world a lot of problems to be solved but i had this personal question like mba versus job before i start up Mm-hmm. and i ultimately sort of decided that i should be seeing uh, how like a real organization works right mm-hmm. and that i spent like close to 2 years there at that time startup culture did not bit the country to the level that it is today right mm-hmm. and thus uh, sort of uh, working in a traditional company but yes highly growing company world's largest two wheeler uh maker but yes a lot to learn from that and thus i decided to sort of uh, have that learning before we go into the market mm-hmm. and even the funds were not available so easily at that time right so situation was totally different in 2015 and henceforth right mm-hmm. and uh, uh, so had it been today's state at like in 2012 i would have directly opted for starting up right mm-hmm. so i think i would relate myself to the first category not the latter one and um, and and you know people do make you know, uh, successful companies belong to both the categories if you look at jeff bezos right mm-hmm. he was working in the large uh, enterprise before he had the idea of the amazon mm-hmm. and only thing that triggered him was like the internet penetration that was happening in us at that time right it mm-hmm. was going over 1000% year on year right mm-hmm. and that's what triggered him to sort of uh, get into action and start up the company and i think there are successful uh, stories on both sides right it's the only question or only ingredient the right set of ingredients of the uh, of the company is like first of all the people mm-hmm. second the kind of idea and the the scale of the problem is right the third is the uh, timing and the fourth is the capital right so mm-hmm. once you have all these four ready whenever in your journey be it post college or having 10 years of experience being veteran or experience into that category i think you will form a, a successful company out of it so uh, you know one thing that you particularly mentioned was around capital yeah yeah and uh, while talking about startups you know right now we see a lot of capital is being infused in the uh, ecosystem mm-hmm. so how do you see this is this you know a, like a positive signal for the market for the people to start up or is this you know like something to be wary about because you know when we talk about that the money is flowing in the startup ecosystem the same goes for the jobs 
because you know that is also exponentially increasing so how do you you know position a young graduate who is just as a, you know going to graduate out of college that what should be the particular you know way to go through in your opinion nothing is right or wrong in this particular thing yeah so mm, i think capital chases right sort of people mm-hmm. right sort of um, problems mm-hmm. and the potential solution to it right not the other way around you cannot think of building a company if you have a capital in place right mm-hmm. otherwise the investor would have built a company right so i think it is more about like whether you are college graduate or not or maybe you are a dropout right mm-hmm. are you working on the right set of problems right can that problem can that solution the potential solution to that particular problem slash use case can it become a billion dollar opportunity or a multi billion dollar opportunity right mm-hmm. if you have those question answered right capital will chase you and how can someone answer that mm i think that, that that's very the, the the very entrepreneur i would say right um mm-hmm. i think the biggest companies that have been built in the world is while solving people solving their own problems right mm-hmm. so if i talk about myself right uh so the oerikshay is into making but how oerikshay actually started right Mm-hmm. so when we used to go to our schools so to our colleges we didn't have a two wheeler four wheeler with us right mm-hmm. catching the bus was the idea on daily basis right aap stand pe khade ho bus to mil jayega but how to reach to that stand right? mm-hmm. your home or your workplace right that was the fundamental problem that we faced mm-hmm. and before job we used to work on our pocket monies right mm-hmm. and in that pocket money we have to make adjustment of like ki metro se jayenge auto se jayenge bus se jayenge ya walk karke jayenge right mm-hmm. and that's the problem that we faced ourselves right mm-hmm. with all the things that we have seen in the life when we sort of um, you know uh, uh, get the net direction that what we should be doing we have problems we know things how it they work we have access to capital right only अगर मैंने प्रॉब्लम को क्रैक कर दिया राइट दीज मेनी पीपल वुड सॉर्ट ऑफ यूज इट नंबर वन second the kind of revenue that it can make that's a market opportunity as i said ki market backward usko build karna right ki aapne problem face kiya you realize ki this problem belongs to so many people and mm-hmm. then you once you do the math that the, the how massive that problem is right mm-hmm. there you have the confidence ki yaar ye problem ka solution the market mein chalega mm-hmm. so i think people solving their own problem or the people solving the problem that they see around Mm-hmm. is very critical to build that consensus right ki high a problem hai aur high a problem these many uh, people or these many sort of uh, target market ke sath lie karta hai only then you sort of you, i think then only then you can um, build a successful company sounds amazing so uh, mohit you know a lot of our listeners are majorly you know youngsters 
who are either starting out uh, in their careers or you know are in the very early stage of it so any piece of parting advice that you would like to give to them mm. i think one piece of advice that i would like to give them don't start the company because you want to start a company right mm -hmm. start a company on the back of a problem and the the kind of uh, mass or i would say the kind of scale that problem has right if you figure out something that this is something wrong that is happening with you or the people around right that is a trigger point right mm -hmm. and once you can identify and vision and clearly see it in front of you right ki yaar ye problem exists karta hai and if you have the right set of inputs understanding of how to solve for that problem that should be the trigger point of starting up the company right not the other way around ki yaar matlab company to start karna hai but problem ko fir hum matlab problem to ban jayega that shouldn't be the case ठीक है तो कंपनी स्टार्ट करना अल्टीमेटली वन ऑन टू दैट कुड बी योर बी पॉइंट बट द ए पॉइंट और द ट्रिगर पॉइंट इज दैट व्हाट इज द प्रॉब्लम यू वांट टू सॉल्व व्हाट इज दैट अनसॉल्व्ड प्रॉब्लम दैट इज स्टिल देयर राइट इफ यू हैव दैट प्रॉब्लम विद यू इफ यू अंडरस्टैंड दैट प्रॉब्लम वेरी वेल एंड इफ यू बिलीव दैट यू कैन स्पेंड अ लाइफ ऑन इट सॉल्विंग फॉर दैट स्केलिंग दैट गेटिंग टू द मैक्सिमम नंबर ऑफ पीपल अल्टीमेटली मेकिंग अ Uh, a profitable sort of venture out of it. That's a long shot. But yes, if you could think that problem can that solution can make you money, and I think that is the trigger point that you should have to start a venture. So in a nutshell, Mohit, uh, we can say that you know find a problem, then find the ingredients necessary, start, then reiterate based on the feedback that you gain. Absolutely, and keep building, never stop. If you believe that problem exists, spend your life on that. Wow, those are some words of wisdom. Yeah, so thanks a lot, Mohit. You know, for joining us on the podcast today. It was really amazing being with you.